This episode, the Swans take on the Peacocks. No, it's not foul play. It's Walton versus Taunton in the third qualifying round. The lads sing the one show theme, talk the Taunton pub scene and lament fans being mean. Welcome to the Road to Wembley podcast. Hey Jack, mate. Hey Alex, how you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. I quite enjoyed us doing something a bit different there, listening to our own theme tune uh, to get us in the mood for our own podcast. To get us gassed up, yeah. Uh, any any kind of theme tunes you like across uh, other podcasts or TV or film? It's uh, a really good question. I like the theme tune. I was just listening to the theme tune to Toast of London. I generally think that's a good song. Yeah. Um, I used to like the theme tune to Hollyoaks before they changed it. I never watched Hollyoaks, but I would listen to the, I would watch the intro to Hollyoaks to hear that. Do you think the cast of Hollyoaks listened to the Hollyoaks theme tune before acting? <laughs> oh, I think I'll get you really ready for it. Um, I also love, of course, the greatest theme tune of all time, The One Show. Yes, I like that's just singing the name of the show. Seeing the one show over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very I mean, that's show. not dissimilar from what we did in Series 1. But imagine, hearing, imagine being on the sofa and hearing that, you'd be ready to yeah. go. You'd, you'd know where you were, you'd wouldn't you? Run for a wall for that. <laughs> You're suggesting it should be played in uh, the dressing rooms of... Before the... games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, you'd, I'd love that. Yeah, if you were... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it'd be a bit very confusing for overseas players, but I think English players would be so ready. <laughs> well, we have a five-a-side team. That that could be a tradition we start, sort of uh, leaning over a, a microphone uh, or over a speaker. One. Is that even one. still the theme? It gets really hard at the end. One. Yeah, it does. Get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible stuff. We'll find out who wrote that, and um, maybe they can write our theme tune. Yeah, well, uh, we've, I think we've got a good enough theme tune. We may not be very good so podcasters. Why? We don't say our name, though, over and over again. That's true. Scream at the end. We, we may not be very good podcasters, but boy, did we pick a good theme tune that, that, all that time. It's not one, show, one show's not a particularly good show. But my, my God, <laughs> How dare you? My God, does that have a theme tune? <laughs> that's, that's certainly true. We should probably talk about football, uh, which they, they don't do on the one show, but we are supposed to be doing here. Yes. Um, what game have we seen this week, Jack? So we went to we went away to Taunton with the Mighty Swans, Walton. Um, big, big journey. Yeah. On a train strike as well, so a bit of a mecca of football. Tough one, yeah. Um, a lot of travelling fans, Walton are up for it. Uh, we'll get into the game in a minute. Yeah. Um, it was a good one, but we should probably do the news. Okay, Jack, it's, uh, it's me uh, doing the news this week. Um, I often need reminding of the concept. Uh, this is where I tell three news stories. Uh, two of them are fake and one of them is true. Is that right? Yeah, and I'm going to guess which is true. Perfect. Uh, they're all around a theme this week. Fantastic. Um, the first one is called Match Me If You Can. Nice. Okay. Romantic, maybe? Yeah, perhaps. Or not. <laughs> uh, so having followed football for as long as you have, Jack... Uh, you undoubtedly at some point have heard someone being called a fraud. Oh, yeah? Of course, yeah. I've said it many times myself. Well, sometimes it's kind of ironic in the case of things like uh, players like Salah or Haaland. Well, no. Uh, I, <laughs> I think Salah is a fraud. But anyway. <laughs> and sometimes it's transformed into kind of a, a hilarious moniker like Fraudiola yeah. or Fraud Lampard, which I'm not sure is one, but... Uh, you just made that one up. <laughs> it's what I believe. Yeah. Um, I guess what is important to remember is that these players have kind of... Um, worked from, from day one to, to be where they are in their careers. They've given up everything and, and everyone uh, kind of has doubted them and they've demonstrated laser focus uh, to ensure that they're at the very pinnacle of this global sport. To get where they are, Jack, there are no shortcuts. There's no substitute for hard work. Or is there? Enter stage left, Kevin Cullis, <laughs> who in 1996 became the manager of Swansea City. 
The club's new owners were looking to make a change and brought in the unknown colours, despite surprise from the media, who ran the headline, Kevin Who. Nice. At his unveiling, Cullis announced that he has several qualifications for coaching in other sports, including rugby and athletics, and a degree in sports management from the University of Cardiff. He was bullish throughout his initial interview, shrugging off suggestions that he was underqualified, saying he wanted six new players and had already told several of the current squad that they weren't good enough. Jesus. Kevin. Kevin, yeah. Despite his confidence, Carlos's story began to unravel. The first few training sessions, sessions demonstrated his lack of experience, and the players recognised instantly that this wasn't a football man, uh, and his sessions were apparently very disorganised. Oh, no. Uh, he lost his first game, uh, and by half-time in the second, the players had mutinied. Uh, players whose name he didn't even know were shouting at him and telling him to shut up. Uh, the captain had taken the uh, c- control of the team and was leading the, the uh, half-time team talk. Um, the manager had been playing a right-back at left wing. Thoughts? That doesn't happen very often. Silly, silly move. <laughs> Basic error. Uh, and after the game, uh, which he uh, lost 4-0, uh, the players appealed to the owners and he was sacked. Um, the club moved on, but it was later apparent that Cullis had been a fraudster. Oh, he lied about... Oh. All his documents had been fake. Uh, he was arrested, it turned out, multiple times for using fake names and impersonating others. He was jailed for nine months in 2003 for fraud uh, and deception. And then again in 2004 for using fake insurance documents. So he'd faked his way into a... Wait, wait, when was this? Into a, when, in, when was this was 1996, when? he was Swansea manager. Mm, okay, fine. Thoughts on that? I feel like I would have heard of that. Um... Football doesn't lack for frauds. Is this? Are they all about frauds? This story? Yes, these are all about frauds, a lot of frauds yeah. in football. That isn't that crazy. No. Um, Kevin Cullis. <clears throat> Your defence is often that you haven't heard about it. To be fair, That's yeah, I haven't heard about many, many stories. <laughs> I hope you don't do the story of Ali Dyer because I have heard of that. Story. No, no, I'm not doing that one. Um, I f- yeah, that might be happening. It sounds Swansea's a big club, but then Ali Dyer was at Southampton, so I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that could happen. I would have called that story. We need to talk about Kevin. <sighs> Well, that's why you're better at this than me. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's a good story. Let's hear the second one. Uh, it's called a breakdown in communication. Nice. Football clubs are much maligned these days for being commercial entities, uh, and well, commercial entities first, and sporting entities second. Uh, it's all player announcements and new sponsors and social media banter. As someone who works in sports marketing, this is really my domain. Mm. Uh, in the hyper competitive environment of professional football having kind of multiple revenue streams are an integral part, Jack, of keeping the club afloat. And with that in mind, you can imagine the crisis that Preston North End found themselves in when someone in their internal team deleted the entire Preston North End website in 2014. Jesus. Yeah, and they wiped it from the internet completely. So on Friday, the 20th of November, 2014, the address www.pnefc, which I'm sure you've been to, many a time, <laughs> which is the club's usual URL, uh, began to take users through to an error page. Disaster. <laughs> Fans eager to buy tickets and shirts <laughs> and hear about updates for the up- upcoming game against Swindon were unable to do so, leaving them panicking. It took three days, three days for the website to return, during which time countless data was lost. This story, by the way, when I was reading it, reminded me of... Uh, the irretrievable data loss. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when you said that as well. For the, the thick of it for our listeners, yeah. So the entire email season ticket holding mailing list was deleted and it was announced by club officials that many users had engaged, uh, who engaged in transactions um, in the past had their personal data accessed, including their names, email addresses, home addresses and purchase history. When was this? Uh, 2014. So pre-GDPR? Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, a police investigation started, and after 18 months of searching, the police knocked on the door of a man called Martin Kirkby. Okay. Martin was arrested, and Lancashire police confirmed that Martin, who had been working at the club at the time, had a CEH qualification, which is apparently, I had to Google, certified ethical hacking, and responsible for the breach. When asked about his motives, he explained that simply he was a Blackpool fan and he thought it'd be funny. Oh, wow. Uh, in less funny news, Preston have paid out millions in compensation to affected web users and the club wrote in, the, in, the pand- in a mid-pandemic appeal uh, that this continued to put the club and its employees on precarious financial footing. Yeah. Millions of pounds. Yeah. Well, I guess data breaches are... Yeah. You do have to pay a lot of compensation. Fucking hell. Um, how big... A, where, what, what, where are Preston North End? Are they like... League One, yeah, league, yeah, they were League One at the time. It's quite a lot of money for a League One club. Yeah, football's a bit. Twenty fourteen, it's not. You know. Yeah, maybe they're insured. Um, yeah, that could happen. Um, fuck, yeah, that's a big. That's a big. So he he maintained it was a joke. Yes. Did he make any money? From, did he sell the data? Or just did he just fucking. I don't know. If, I don't know what happened. Like. I think he did it because he was a Blackpool fan. Apparently, I don't even know if he was. Well, he was arrested, wasn't he? Yeah. What did Blackpool have to say about it? Did he make a statement? Probably not. I don't yeah, think it's not. really their, their domain. <laughs> Something for them to say, isn't He's it? A pun. Uh, that's, what was that one called? That one was called A Breakdown in Communication. Okay. Um, that could happen. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a big one. Let's go to a third fraudster story. As you know, Jack, we've been discussing recently what makes a good World Cup and host nations, what makes a good World Cup host nation and why Qatar might not be a great host. Maybe that's something we can talk about in the future. Um, shrugged yes uh, after Qatar in 2026 the World Cup will be hosted by Canada Mexico and of course the USA and over here in the UK we have a tendency to look down on US soccer don't we um, kind of as a lower form of football with less passionate and less erudite supporters um, we turn our nose up at the commercialism of their sport and, and generally at their attempts to approximate themselves to the European game uh, we have however undoubtedly gleaned a lot from them for example, uh, kickoff times and t- uh, kickoff times for TV viewing and video games versions of sport and miking up the ref. Well, how do you feel about miking up the ref? Uh, I like that. I like it. I kind of prefer hearing the players shout. So you hear that. Yeah, and you I get like that. That's kind of the classical damage you get from that. That's, I like. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, you got that in the pandemic a bit when there was no crowds, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was all like, tangent. All you hear is just players swearing. They yes. don't say anything else apart from fuck. That's the takeaway as well from these documentaries that clubs keep making, which is another thing we've pinched from American TV. We've pinched having multiple club jerseys and stadium announcers. And, cheerleaders. Yeah, and cheerleaders. And uh, celebrity fans. You remember Tom Brady's adoration for Spurs. And, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, at Liverpool, we had LeBron James. And at Fulham, they had Michael Jackson. Uh, such a fan that they built a statue for him well this story is about statues okay great link Uh, in 2017 Minnesota United were starting their third season in the MLS having been founded in 2015 the club had established themselves as the biggest soccer side in the state and were even beginning to acquire international fans and in an attempt to ingratiate themselves with their international fan base Minnesota United hosted a competition on social media for their fans to suggest a statue to be erected outside uh, their stadium the Allianz Field Nice. Um, the club stadium. This it, always goes wrong. <laughs> Whenever you ask anyone to suggest a statue, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many good footballing statues are there. Um, well, it was supposed to be an opportunity uh, for fans to kind of leave an imprint on the club's unfolding history and play a part in its, its match day future. Um, but to cut a long story short, Jack Murphy uh, from the Wirral uh, in Merseyside, um, who was studying for a degree in modern art with sculpture uh, at the University of Kiel was selected to design a statue, supposedly of his idol, Sir Stanley Matthews. 
Jack was flown out for the big unveiling in, in mid-February uh, 2017. Uh, and all went well. The statue was well received and Jack flew home, proud as punch, safe in the knowledge that he had pulled a fast one on Minnesota United. Oh, nice. Come on, Jack. Jack had played a spiteful joke on the MLS club and their fans, uh, for he had not designed a statue of uh, Stanley Matthews, but instead of the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, God, fucking hell. Which is Britain's, for those who don't know, most infamous mass murderer. Yeah. Um, and it took five weeks for the club to realise that Jack had pulled a joke, uh, by which time social media was ablaze with mockery and, and cruel jokes. Yeah. Um, the club were forced to apologise, and eventually it was replaced with, this is a bit warmer now, uh, Minnesota writer and senator, senator Eugene McCarthy. Thank God for that. Um I'm all for a bit of prank, but that's a bit harsh, Jack. That guy killed people. I think there's a funnier way to do that, right? Rather yeah, than... you could have done that. I thought, I thought you'd say he did a statue of himself or a statue of his dad or something like that. Instead, it's like a Yorkshire. That would have been good, or his mate at school. Or... I don't think I could tell a difference. I don't know enough about Sustaining Matthews or the Yorkshire. I think that's why it took five uh, yeah, weeks. Fair play. I think you, I mean, you, put, you could put that up in fucking Yorkshire, no one would know. <laughs> um, yeah, Jack, come on, dude. Chill out. Like, that's funny. You're being, you're being funny. You went too far. Just, you know. You're called Jack. Uh, I'm quite a funny, <laughs> yes. quite a funny guy. Do you ever feel like you go too far with jokes? <laughs> oh, occasion, never on this podcast. Um, now I remember when um, this is kind of related, and this is going too far as well. Okay, uh, Mountain Dew had like a new flavour of Mountain Dew, something like that, and then they like let the internet pick what it would be. Yeah, and then like the top winning one was like Hitler did nothing wrong. That was like the top Ooh, one. George, yeah, yeah. not good, is it? I thought you were going to tell me that you were somehow that was something you. I were was wrong. involved in that. No, no, no. So I was not involved with that. I want to make it clear now. Um, okay, that could happen. Those are really good stories. Uh, Shall I remind you of the names? Yes, please. Match me if you can, which was uh, about the Kevin Cullis who became manager of Swansea City for a couple of weeks. Um, but it turned out he was a fraudster and he was arrested for fraud. Mm-hmm. Uh, a breakdown in communication, which is when uh, someone in the uh, Preston internal team accidentally deleted their website mm-hmm. and data leaked a lot of their uh, information. And the last one is called An Absolute Ripper, which is where uh, Jack Murphy from the Wirral, instead of putting a statue of Sir Stanley Matthews, put a statue of the Yorkshire Ripper. Mm. Okay, well, I think that... I would have heard of the Jack the Ripper. When did that happen? That was 2017, so very recent. I feel like I would have heard of that. Um, I'm going to go with the irretrievable data loss. I oh, know it's not the name of it. Because um, <laughs> I think that could happen... I don't know, because the, the fine's quite big. I think that might destroy the club. I'm going to go for that one. That's the one you think is true? Yes. Well, Jack, I'm uh, pleased to reveal that you're wrong. Oh. Uh, it was actually match me if you can. Um, that's true that's true yeah so Kevin Cullis was actually the manager for, for 10 days of, of Swansea City um, that's for, a disaster and, and he does seem like a, a bit of a the, the Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Catch Me If You Can where he's done a lot of different I haven't seen this film so I assume this is what happens a, yeah it's a good film um, where he kind of takes on a lot of different jobs yeah he was a real guy I can't remember the guy's name Christopher Walken's in it uh, yeah it's a good movie you watch it so Kevin uh, Cullis that's the UK equivalent yeah they should make a film about him. Uh, that's crazy. Swansea. Bad luck, Swansea. Better luck next time, Swansea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Okay, that was good, Alex. Should we move on to the actual game? Yeah, thanks for playing. So this week we travelled to Taunton in Somerset, Taunton FC, known as the Peacocks. Mm-hmm. So you know what question I'm going to ask. Who would have been in the fight between a Peacock and a Swan? Uh... 
peacocks are just posh swans, aren't they? They essentially swans are quite posh. Yeah, but peacocks are swans are peacock fighters. Peacocks are yeah lovers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would have said peacock would win in a fight. I really thought everyone says swans can break arms. Mm. I don't think peacocks can break your arms. Do you think you're swans. more of a peacock or a swan? Oh, a peacock. I hate swans. I think I'm more of a swan. Swans fuck me off. Yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> they were founded in 1889, like every fucking club on the planet. Uh, they play at the Signet Healthcare Stadium, which isn't a, named after some sort of Signet-based healthcare. It's actually like a name of a hu- human healthcare stadium. Signets are baby swans, aren't they? Yeah, ironically. not. I guess baby signet. There might also be peacocks. Anyway, it doesn't actually take care of baby swans. It takes care of human beings. It's just the name of the company. Okay. Uh, which is pretty boring they haven't won the FA Cup but they have won the FA Vars in 2001 which is actually pretty good mm. so definitely the best side we've seen so far I, didn't, I, just, I should say they're like two levels above Walton in the pyramids um, so yeah considerably higher standing than Walton um, so a big big game for Walton a bit of a potential giant killing on their hands if they could get, if they could get a scalp um, all of their current squad is either Welsh or English apart from Nathaniel Jarvis who is from Antigua and actually has played at international level Wow. So that's pretty big. Or Antigua and Barbuda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wow. pretty cool, isn't it? That's cool. Barbuda or Barbados? I thought it was Barbuda. Is it Barbuda? I don't know. I'm asking you. Maybe he plays for both. Maybe. Um, so, yeah, pretty cool. They've got international in their team. Um, they play in Claret and Blue. Classic kind of kit. Don't have any famous fans. So, I went to the famous fan generator. I got Hillary Clinton. Hmm. Last time we did a pod, our famous fans were like Timmy Mallet and stuff. And this year, it's been like Jesus and Hillary Clinton and wow. actual, actual superstars, which is... I guess the famous fan generators. Jesus Christ, the superstar. <laughs> oh, don't start. Um, yeah. What do you think of Taunton, the town? Uh, I really liked it. It was quite quite cute. Um, we've been in that part of the world before for, for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I thought Taunton was like, we had a bit more time there. It was obviously our first away trip of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but excluding replays. Yeah. Because um, we've been in Walton and Hersham all this time. Yeah, so it was nice to go away, even though it was a bit penny us to get there. Uh, we never really saw the inside of a pub, but it is a nice town. What a pub, though. The pub was incredible. We go to pubs quite a lot that have like board games, dartboards, pool tables, TVs, because we don't like talking to one another. Mm-hmm. This pub had all those things in insane degrees, yeah. and it was covered in rainbow flags for pride. It was fantastic. And we barely said a word to each other, which was even better. Exactly, yep. Uh, it's called the Cricketers. If you're ever in Taunton, go to the Cricketers. Uh, as I said, a lot of Walton fans made the trip, despite the conditions. And Taunton Stadium was nice. It was cool. Yeah, I liked it. I really did like it. Um, you, I always get the sense you're in kind of. It's like you're in the bows of a boat when you're in there because it's all it's all uh, steel girders and it's all kind of. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very un, uncomfortable. The paint in some is peeling. Ways. It's, it's not kind of yeah, inviting like other Premier League stadiums. There's no sense of. Uh, yeah, it's that, and it, it is. You know, all the money's on the pitch. All the money's on the players. Yeah, it doesn't exactly, get sent yeah. everywhere else. And yeah, but you know, Walton had the better, Walton had Walton was a lot more kind of commercial stadium. You can tell Walton had the money injection. And yeah, Walton's just been around a, for a lot longer. A bit more modern, wasn't it? Uh, I quite liked being in this kind of uh, stadium that was clearly built 20, 30 years ago, and probably was in a bit of an even facelift, but at the same time had a lot of character. And it felt like um, you know you really got the sense that a lot of people spent their weekends there, and uh, and that gave it a lot of soul. Yeah, loads of fans. It was absolutely rammed. Um, I guess I, I, we always say we're surprised by this. We shouldn't be surprised anymore. All these tiny teams do have genuine followings, like who love them, and yeah. everyone's wearing a kit. It's you know for us. I think, I think before we start this podcast, we thought you know it'd be a few odd men and a dog, and sometimes it is that. But a lot of times it is families and people just obsessed with the club, no matter yeah. what level it is. Well, I think this is a bit of a tangent, I'm afraid. What, I, what I'm always surprised by, because we're obviously sort of Londoners um, or suburban London, um, is 
Walton Hersham is a pretty undefined place, isn't it? It kind of sways between different regions. Mm-hmm. Taunton is very much a town in itself. So what is nice about being or supporting a club like that is that everyone in the town yeah, can follow 100%. that team. Maybe alongside a Premier League team, but you get complete devotion from everyone in the town. Yeah, you lose that the higher you get up the table because you get more bigger cities and bigger teams. Exactly. The yeah. only team I'd say in the Premier League that's just, that is a lot like that is Newcastle. Mm where it does feel like the entire city supports that one club yeah. and the club is in the middle of everyone's not been there we mentioned the pod the stadium's right in the middle of the town it does feel like everyone's there to support it and I think you're absolutely right that that vibe continues in Taunton and other smaller towns where everyone's you, you won't support anyone else there's no one else to support apart from that club you know? well you hinted at it when we were talking about the pub there that the, the <coughs> town really is a cricket town isn't it it's, yeah yeah cricket it's, and rugby it's a so football's not at its heart so it's quite nice really to kind of um I guess it's the pride of the town in a footballing sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Should we get into the game? Let's crack on. We all know the Road to Wembley isn't the only football podcast out there. And today we are sponsored by a brand new one hitting the airways very soon. David Seaman has launched his own series of interviews with some of Britain's most fascinating and sometimes controversial figures. Episode one is Seaman on Anne Whittacombe, followed by Seaman on Anton Dubeck, Seaman on Grayson Perry, Seaman on the Duchess of York, Seaman on Seaman, which sees David chat to some of the UK's most eccentric merchant sailors. And finally, Seaman on Balls, where David and Ned Balls dissect their careers, their friendships, and of course, their love lives. Their love lives separate from one another, I should stress that. Tune into the new show, Seaman Covers a Nation, coming soon. Cool. So the game, as expected, Taunton had most of the ball. They are, as we said, quite significantly above the Mighty Swans. And the Swans were really on the back foot. Walton came really close at the end of half time, but Taunton did snatch their glory with a kick on I think it was the last kick of that half it was a really good free kick yes uh, into the Walton goal and that might be the worst time ever they concede I think on the stroke of half time yeah I agree that's a, a bit of a cliche isn't it but conceding on the stroke of half time is deflating thankfully yeah. our five side team concede on the stroke of half time and concede after half time and the first minute as well yeah um, so yeah it's kind of terrible the kind of mood of the away fans did drop um, going into this game, Walton were missing Josh Gilbert, who was suspended from the cup for getting too many yellow cards, which is kind of funny. But that probably comes to the fact that they've played so many FA Cup games. That's a hard not to have that situation. Yeah. Do you um, think the uh, team were um, inspired to win uh, or try to win to get Josh another game in the, in the famous <laughs> Oh, Maybe, I don't know. I think you can definitely tell that they were having a long campaign. So they, they this was their eighth game. Yeah. So I think... Despite the fact they probably wanted Josh to play again, I think even Josh was happy to have a break from this competition. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, they also had another player who was playing for the under twenty one team in Colombia. So one to watch. I haven't got his name actually, but it says in, the, it says in my notes that he was he was uh, missing his international duty. So maybe one to look forward in the future. That's a pretty big, wow, pretty yeah. big call up, right? Absolutely. I imagine there's some very good under twenty footballers in Colombia. Um, the second half saw some good attempts from Walton. The Walton manager was getting a lot of stick from the Peacocks. Mm-hmm. And it made me think that I probably couldn't be a manager because I've got, I've got quite thick, thin skin. Thin skin, yeah. I, mean, I felt embarrassed for him. I felt like I'd, I wanted to cry for him. I think that's one thing we have in common. I mean, you were quite, I don't want to say oversensitive, but... Um, I couldn't hack it at all. I've seen some of the reviews on this podcast. <laughs> they do keep me up at night. Uh, yeah, he was getting a lot of stick. Uh, nothing too rude. Uh, a lot of kind of like classic football stuff. Like I've mm. seen Milk Turn Faster, mate, stuff like that. But, you know, it would hurt me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you turn slowly. Yeah. Uh, there were no more goals and Taunton ended uh, Walton's massive, massive run. I do think Walton's luck ran out. Uh, I think Walton are a really good side. I really like what they're doing. I really enjoyed supporting them, but they don't seem to put games away. They seem to do a lot of faffing. Yeah, they do a lot of faffing. That's that's uh, demonstrated by their three replays they've had so far. Yeah. Um, 
I think they put in a good account of themselves. I think they can, they can on that bus back to Surrey or where it was, um, they can they can be pleased with how they played. Um, but they are out now. Yeah, you know, our love affair with Horton Hersham, if you can call it that, is uh, over. Our first team gone. Yeah. Yeah, I found I I maybe got a new love affair though in a in a striker who came on for a. Taunton Town FC. He's called Makuti. Did you do you remember him? I remember finding his name funny. Yes. I read I read it as Makuti. So. Well, yeah, it turns out he is a bit of a Makuti. I've uh, <laughs> been scrolling through his his Twitter. I quite we did this when we first started the podcast, scrolling through the Twitter pages of uh, some of the lower league players, and it gives you a much more. Um, yeah, they aren't media trained. Put it that exactly. Way. Yeah, you get a better idea. Well, sometimes you you can kind of um, scroll us off across some tweets from the early the early teens and late noughties which I guess could be considered unfashionable or distasteful, but there's none of that from McCutie. He, as, as we said, he really is a cutie. Um, let me just read out some of those tweets to you now. Please do. On the 1st of August 2017, he tweeted, Proud Dad Heart. Oh, that is cute. He's got, he's got two, two daughters who he's very proud of. On the 25th of October 2015, he tweeted, Clocks go back tonight. Hashtag, cheers for the reminder. Is he thanking himself? <laughs> I think I presume somebody <laughs> reminded him. Right, okay. And he wanted to sh- say cheers. Shout them out without actually Twitter. mentioning who they were. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And this is one I know you're like. On 25th, in February 2015, he simply tweeted, Graham Norton, three fire emojis. <laughs> oh, great. What a cute, that is very cute. Do you think he was talking about the man or the show? Um, oh, that's a good question. I guess, or by t- if you're talking about the show, you're talking about the man, aren't you? Unless he has some really good guests, isn't actually like yeah. Graham Norton. I don't really, he, tweet him he, back. He didn't meet Graham Norton in the street and thought, "What a guy! What a fucking legend!" <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, what a cutie. Well, most intriguing of all, he he regularly retweets a SoundCloud link to someone who I think is his brother um, called DJ Easy. <laughs> nice. um, DJ uh, apparently is uh, a popular <laughs> disc jockey on Radio One. Uh, and I'm envious to confirm that DJ uh, Envy, whatever his name is, sorry, DJ Easy. Easy. I'm envious of DJ Easy because yeah. he's friends with my jammer. Nice. That's cool. That's cool, isn't it? Um, here's a little taste of what DJ Easy has to offer. Right now you're listening to DJ Easy. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful piece of music. It's got two new fans here and probably all of our fans at home. Yeah, and a couple of new listeners on SoundCloud. If only they could re- return the favour for this podcast, eh? Yeah, if DJ Z could get his, put us on Radio 1 That'd and get great, my, my jammer in touch with us. <laughs> we were. Uh, speaking of people getting in touch with us, uh, I think it might be time, Jack, for listening questions. Shoot. Do you have one this time? Uh, I do have one this time. Um, just for listeners' benefit, it's possible to write in either by uh, Instagram message or uh, fax. Well, I don't know how you get in touch with fax, but... Carry a pigeon. Um, this is a letter that we've received from Gail. It says, hi, I'm Gail. And recently, I've been feeling guilty about my carbon footprint whilst travelling to games. I drove to the East Thorough United game against Coggleshaw a few weeks ago, only to find the car park was full. I had to drive halfway home just to find the parking space. With the climate crisis ever worsening and fuel prices increasing, we are under increasing pressure uh, to travel to matches in different ways. What are your favourite methods of, tra- of transport, generally, and to get to football matches? Um, what do you think, Jack? Uh, yeah, great question, Gail. I love a train. I love a train to a game because you can have a beer. 
Yeah, you're a bit of a railer file. Is that that a word? I don't really know anything about trains. I'm not like a train spotter. No. Like, I think I'd spend extra money to get a train just because mm. everyone could just relax. And sometimes one guy's driving and he moans about driving. Yeah, yeah. We did do that to this game. So is that is that a nudge? No, but you were you were fine about it. But what I guess you know, and I know sometimes we we only really drive to this game because it was a rail strike. Exactly. Yeah. But especially games, you have a few beers. But then sometimes I will say, sometimes you get in the tube or a train, and it's full of fans who are being a bit of dicks. Don't do that. If you're going to get a train, I like a human being. Yeah. But getting a train to get and also you can have a beer on the train is fine. Yeah, that's absolutely agree. So train is my answer to scale. Both Trains a great answer. Uh, I don't know if you remember at Walton Hirsch and Jack, we did get a uh, little ferry. That was very cute. I even went part of the way. A ferry the entire way there would have been fantastic. Mm. I loved that. That was very cute. I imagine that must happen quite a few places. What, a ferry the entire way there? If we, if we went to a game in Venice, would you get like a boat the entire way there? Oh, I don't know. Uh, or if you'd be doing games between islands. I know in the Silly Isles, they do have a league and they go between islands. Yeah, you can get the hydrofoil, can't you? I think yeah. it's like one of these ones. That's a hovercraft. It's like a big... Pillow, right? That goes over water. I thought that was a hovercraft. That yeah, mean? essentially, I don't. Yeah, I don't really know what the distance. Just, the difference yeah. is. Gail, if you happen to know um, <laughs> yeah, the difference yeah. between a hydrofoil <clears throat> and a hovercraft, please do let us know. Probably get a lot of trolleys in Manchester to games. Trolleys or trams, whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. Not shopping trolleys. No, that would be good though. Mm. Um, electric scooters. That's a very eco-friendly way. Probably quite far to go between towns, Gail. Yeah, but try that. And then eventually some sort of Hyperloop system that Elon Musk is developing. Yeah, the the Musk uh, football Hyperloop. Between every stadium in the UK. Or between, which ones did she go to? East Thrower United. And... She went to East Thrower United versus Coggleshaw. Okay, well I thought that'd be a uh, Hyperloop between those. Very I don't same. know, Musk has got a lot of money. Yeah, and a lot of time as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I tell you what, I am excited to uncover different transport methods as we move through the FA Cup. Um, train is the dominant one. Then maybe car, and then probably ferry at this stage. Yeah, at this point in the game. We can maybe do a big cycle to one. Yeah. A big journey. Maybe we can cycle to Wembley. That would be the final Oh, final, that would be lovely. Final that, route. that would warm my cockles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, should we wrap this thing up, Jet? Please. 